In a world where the people have no voice. Fake news runs wild. And social, social, social media dictates our lives. And we're here to keep it real at Media Lab. Just a group of students looking for the truth. Hashtag what story are you telling? Hashtag go tell it. NPR Media Lab. You're listening to NPR Media Lab. Media Lab, Media Lab. Woo! Can you hear us? You can hear us? Can everybody else hear us? The name exercise is the first assignment our students record when they walk through the doors of NPR's Media Lab, sharing the origin of their name, or what it means to them, everyone's name, everyone's identity, comes with a story. What's in your name? Adia, gift from God in Swahili. I'm not Kenyan, or am I particularly religious, but I've always liked the sentiment, you know? It's nice to know that you're a gift. Uh, Nyale, N-Y-H-A-L-E, didn't know how to spell my middle name until I was in fifth grade, which is tough. My dad told me years ago that it meant woman. He's been a very persuading storyteller, so to speak, so I wasn't, I'm not 100% trustworthy of his words. So until I'm brave enough to Google my obscure West African name, woman is kind of a placeholder that I tell people when they ask me what it means. Samba Kui, that's kind of my brand. Um, I used to hate the fact that no one ever attempted to try and give me a nickname. Like, I always, like, suggest nicknames and be like, no, you're Adia. But the older I get, my surname became my nickname. Um, it's S-A-M-B-A hyphen Q-U-E-E, so there are a lot of really awful puns that came from that. Like a nickname, I feel weird when certain people say it, and I feel comfortable when other people do. Like if someone calls me Samba Kui and I don't know them like that, like it make me feel uncomfortable, and I've like really grown to that name. If you know me at school, I do announcements, and so my announcer name is ASQ, and like initials are like a very, I think they're a very like a basic like bottom tier of nicknames, but it's like no one really has the letters ASQ in a sentence. So the fact that my nickname is like this like weird, very uncommon combination of letters is super cool to me. I am the only one in my family with my last name. Um, my mom's maiden name is Samba until she got married and became Johnson. And my younger brother, my full blood brother is just Kui. So I'm the only Samba Kui. And I think that really captures how unorthodox I am. Like I'm like an outlier in my own family, which is super interesting. So someone can't just go, hey, can we have the Samba Kui family, da 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 Like, no, like, I am the Samba Kui family. Like, that's just, like, I'm the only one with that last name. So if someone is ever, like, brave enough to marry me or whatever, I, I'm I'm keeping it. Like, double hyphenates are really weird. But, like, Samba Kui's just kind of become my thing, and I don't think I'd ever change it. Hi, I'm Kasafolike. My mom's took my name from a story. It's about a dude, and he was like an admiral, and I was like, oh, that's cool. I have a bunch of nicknames like Sod, Big Sod, Super Sod, Giant Sod, El Sodito, Sodstradamus, Genghis Sod, Sod Sado, Kasad Fuller, Big Fuller, Fukuwala, Sod Fukuwala, Young Fukuwala. I heard this Outkast song when I was real little, and I used to really like the Stink On Your album, and there was this one intro where they was like giving out all these nicknames, and I really liked that, and I was like, that was cool. Big boy came out, and he was like, my name's Lucius Leftfoot. I was like, that's the coldest name I've ever heard in my life. And I really wanted to have, like, seven of those because that was really dope. I wish, like, I'm going to name my kid Lucius Leftfoot when he grows up. Big facts. My name is Destiny Robles. Originally, my name was supposed to be Shailene. While my mother was pregnant, my dad was sent colorful drawings of the name Shailene from jail. By the time my mom went into labor, he was out on December 9th, 2000. When I was born, my dad changed the last minute, and I'm glad he did. My name is Vincent Ramos. That's Vincent with a silent E at the end, and it always trips everyone up. I am Puerto Rican and Portuguese. 
My name literally translates to conquering flower. I was born on April 1st, so I, I constantly make the joke that I was born a joke, and it always gets at least a chuckle out of everyone. But the name Vincent itself came from an actor my parents really liked, but I don't remember which, and I wish I could, so that way I could see what he did and compare. Ramos, in the Portuguese context, means flower. My middle name is Joseph, which comes from my grandfather, who passed many years ago before before I was even thought of. I never knew a lot about him, but I hear different stories, some good, some bad. It's nice to know that there's a part of someone I never met still within me, still recognized within me. I guess I could say I see myself as a leader of sorts. I'm willing to say things that are not very popular, but I am at the same time afraid of being rejected by people. Sort of an antithesis of being confident and fragile at the same time. <laughs> But I'm proud of what that means for me. I'm proud of what that makes me. And I'm proud to be known as Conquering Flower, better known as Vincent Ramos. My name is Affinity Rayford. In the dictionary, it means to attract. But to me, it means a lot more. My name came to be because of my grandpa. My mom didn't pick a name, but she knew she wanted the initials to be AMR because my brother and my sister were. That's when my grandma saw the side of the hospital bed read Affinity with two Fs. Soon after, my mom went with Affinity Marie Rayford. My last name Rayford comes from my father, who doesn't take part in my life. He has never really been reliable in anything, and the only thing I ever got when I tried to call him was, sorry, the person you are calling is unavailable, or he read it, but I got no response. Months went by, and I realized that who I am doesn't depend on their actions and how they treat me. I knew I was strong and independent. I didn't need a father to accept me in order to accept myself. I was going to be me regardless. My name is Kayla Shepard, K-A-Y-L-A-H. My dad gave me this name because it was his turn to name one of his kids. And the options Maya and Jada didn't work out. My mom added the H at the end for luck. Growing up, I hated my name and wanted to be called Elizabeth so people would call me Lizzie. I hated my name because it sounded childish and I didn't know any adults or any famous people named Kayla. I also didn't like it because other kids would say the H weird, like Kayla, huh? And teachers would look at me and assume it was complicated, so I would be called Kila or Kyla. Now, I don't necessarily dislike my name, but I do sometimes wish it was a little unique since I'm always known as the other Kayla, but I'm okay with that. I don't need to know everyone just like they don't need to know me. Listen in your office, in your car, or even your neighborhood bar. You can listen with your whole family. Do I? Commentary is a personal essay on any topic that we chose, anything that we found impactful in our lives. I chose to do my commentary about cultural identity. I now identify as Puerto Rican and Portuguese, but there was a time in my life where I only acknowledged my Puerto Rican side, just my experience with my own identity. Race has become such a dividing issue in society, increasing in relevance every year. It creates conflict within our cities, our homes, our friends, our family, and sometimes even ourselves. It's become a political statement in itself to identify as one race or another, or perhaps even multiple, but it's a strange occurrence when someone tells you you're wrong in what you say you are. Hence why my freshman year in high school was the year I found myself divided in who I was. In a conversation with one of my peers, a man of color, I was asked the question, what are you? In hindsight, he was most likely asking about my ethnicity, 
which is Puerto Rican and Portuguese, not my race. In response, I said I was Hispanic, which I thought was clear enough given my skin tone. However, he didn't take me seriously when I said that, stating I was too white to be Hispanic. Safe to say the conversation ended soon after, but that statement resonated with me long after, with a multitude of questions following directly behind. What did that mean, too white? Am I supposed to act a certain way because I'm Rican? Was I supposed to have an accent, eat tacos, and like nothing else but Spanish music? What can even be considered too white? I've been told I'm eloquent in conversations and writing. Nothing wrong with that. I get straight A's every semester. Am I expected to have a poor education because of what I am? I live in a nice-looking home, but because it's in the so-called white neighborhood, I'm all of a sudden rich? Why are these basic desires for all of our lives with being white? On top of that, why are all these things meant to have a negative connotation? Eloquence, education, and wealth all supposedly are unattainable for people of color. I'm not even wealthy, and somehow I was meant to feel bad for what I had the privilege of being given. I became a lot more self-conscious about who I was, or more appropriately, what I was. There was a time which I am ashamed to admit that I negated half of my life. I refused to say that I was white. I tried to make myself into something I wasn't to fit someone else's narrative. I'm ashamed of how I neglected who I was in the pursuit of acceptance. I'm ashamed it took me until my junior year to overcome that lack of control over my culture, my life. Now, in my senior year, I'm not ashamed to say I'm mixed. I'm not ashamed to be Puerto Rican or Portuguese. I'm not ashamed of where I came from or how I was raised. People could still ask me, what are you? And I'll respond, I'm Puerto Rican and Portuguese, and I love it. This is Vincent Ramos, and you're listening to NEPR Media Lab. You're listening to NEPR Media Lab. Hashtag, what story are you telling? I love you. Now, back to our show. Since the age of five, I took a long car ride every other week to visit my father. I remember him in a tan inmate uniform. As a child, I couldn't comprehend why my father couldn't come home or why I couldn't stay with him. On my first day of kindergarten, my dad wasn't there to hold my hand. When my father was released from the maximum security prison, I finally got my superhero back. I got to live with my dad. These were the funnest times, from renting a bounce house and a pony for the fun of it, to beating all the levels of the latest games together. We used to do a lot of fun things at home because my dad couldn't leave the house at certain times because of his bracelet. I remember him getting me so many pets, from fishes to turtles to a hamster named Mighty. My dad loved me and did everything he could to see me happy. As I got older, things were different. He got a real job. He couldn't spoil me and my brother like he used to. I witnessed him getting involved in community organizing and protests. He was still the same goofy person, but more mature and aware. He distanced himself from certain people and was no longer involved in illegal things. My dad wasn't there my first day of kindergarten, and now he won't be able to see me graduate from high school. My stomach turned. I could feel my heart beat through my chest, and my tears went on for hours. Rage flowed through my body, and I felt the urge to break everything in my sight. On September 11, 2017, my dad was taken away from me again. 
but this time for good. My father was a smart, kind, and caring man who changed his life for the better, taught me to be educated, work hard, not to take the easy way out, and help your community. On the one-year anniversary of his death, an article was posted on Mass Live. Vigil Walk scheduled a memory of homicide victim Jafet Robles, whose death remains unsolved. I clicked the article and got a lost read in the comments. He was arrested for a federal crime, said one man, and that stuck with me. Why does it matter if he was in prison? The man who changed for the better and devoted his life to others was belittled as a criminal. A picture of a violent person is painted because of a nonviolent crime he committed at a young age. Society sees people who have gone to prison as menaces and bad people. NPR's Media Lab podcast has been brought to you by Springfield Cultural Council, the Kittredge Foundation, Irene E. and George A. Davis Foundation, Mass Humanities, Beverage Company, TD Charitable Foundation, Community Foundation of Western Mass, Berkshire Bank, People's Bank, United Bank, Tom and Kit Dennis, Thomas and Marilyn Ewan, Rotary Club of Springfield, and the Whitehead Family Foundation. Check us out on NEPR.net, or you can hit us up on Facebook, at NEPR underscore Media Lab. And don't forget to hashtag what story are you telling as you tell your own.